Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, where we're helping you lead better every day. And now here's your host. Welcome to episode 92 of the Church Leaders Podcast. I'm Jason Day, your host. And today we're talking with Adam Weber, the lead pastor of Embrace. Embrace is a 10-year-old church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, that's grown to six campuses and over 4,000 people in weekly attendance and is continuing to grow. The past four years, Embrace has been featured as one of the fastest growing churches in America, according to Outreach Magazine, and recently has been named as the number one fastest growing United Methodist Church in the country. Adam is also the author of Talking with God, What to Say When You Don't Know How to Pray. Today, we'll be talking about how vulnerability as a ministry leader leads to growth, and Adam has some powerful encouragement for church leaders when it comes to prayer. So let's jump into our conversation with Adam Weber. I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. Welcome, Adam. So good to have you with us today. Oh, it is such a joy and truly an honor, Jason, to be on with you. Excellent. I guess it was almost a year ago that we had you on the Church Leaders Podcast. It's so good to have you back on again. And I want to take a moment to encourage all of our listeners that if you have not yet listened to our earlier episode with Adam, you need to go back and you need to listen to episode 57. It's an insightful interview where Adam shares some of the challenges really that you faced whenever you were planting your church. And in fact, you were about three years into your plant, if I remember correctly, running about 100 people and, and really wrestling with the thought that maybe um, you'd even be closing down that church. And then here we sit with you now, um, some about seven years after that, and you're pastoring and leading the fastest growing United Methodist Church in the country. It's pretty wild, uh, God's faithfulness. <laughs> yeah, uh, you, you, that last little phrase there says it perfectly, God's faithfulness, because uh, I would have never imagined seven years ago or 10 years ago or even five years ago, to be honest, that we would be where we are right now. And that's a true testament, not to our goodness and wittiness here at the church, but only God's faithfulness and and just his patience and kindness and just his hand being able to move through any anything and anyone and so uh saying God is faithful at the end of what you just shared is is perfect it it is absolutely the case excellent now I alluded a little bit to the fact that you are releasing um your new book talking with God what to say when you don't know how to pray and in fact as we're recording this today um, today is the release date of your book. So congratulations, brother. Very cool. Very excited for you. It is. It's so crazy. I, I, my, my cheeks are hurting right now. I've been smiling so much today. Yeah, the book book releases today, and it's just been completely humbling seeing so many friends and people that I don't know personally but have a great respect for that are sharing the word about the book. And um, just even as we speak to seeing it climbing on Amazon is just – I. I'm still in shock. I keep wondering if the people buying the books realize that it was written by some Yahoo in South Dakota. And so um, it's been a it's been a really exciting day. And more more than just the book selling is I'm just so passionate about prayer. And prayer is so uh, it's a huge part of my life. And I can't imagine not knowing that I can talk with God. And so my hope is just that it would get to um, people who are curious to to talk with God for the first time or maybe have been following Jesus for a long time, but have gotten stuck into a rut of some kind. And so I'm just hoping that it would breathe life into people's prayer life. Yeah, definitely. And that's one of the things I really appreciate about the book. It's a book that seems to speak to those who are just kind of checking God out for the very first time, and yet also those who've been journeying with him for, for decades, really. 
and it's just kind of a, a refreshing look at, at what it means to to really be in conversation with God. And so to kind of touch on that, um, obviously there are a lot of books on prayer out there. And yeah. so Adam, why why do you feel God led you for, for this book, for you to focus on this idea of prayer? Oh, great question. There, It really is. Prayer is actually a saturated area in Christian publishing. And so we, we really wrestled with that. Like, is there a niche? Is there a need? And the, as a pastor, uh, time and time again, I sit down with people who are asking about prayer. And there's so many great books on prayer right now. Tim Keller's book on prayer. Obviously, Richard Foster's book on prayer. J.I. Packer. I mean, there's so many different people that we could mention. But there's not really something that's super conversational. Um, when it comes to prayer, like lighthearted and yet serious at moments, but something that whether you're a brand new Christian or a seasoned follower of Jesus that you can just pick up and read through really quickly. Last night, uh, actually this morning, I had someone say, I got the book yesterday and I read it by the end of last night and I couldn't put it down. And I'm just like, wow, that's why I hope it would be a conversational approach. Um, a friend of mine who's been following Jesus for years, a longtime worship leader, he read it and he he said to me, he said, Adam, I'm just so thankful that you wrote this book. It kind of gets rid of all the mumbo jumbo, big theological words and just speaks from the heart. And he said, at, at, right now in my life, I really needed a book like this. Not something that I needed to use a dictionary to get through, but something that was just lighthearted. And he's like, I, I look at the prayers of Jesus and, they, and the teachings of Jesus and they were super, super simple. It wasn't these deep, deep, like big words type thing. Jesus used simple pictures and parables to explain things that anybody could understand. And so that would be my hope for, for just the, uh, the topic of prayer. Yeah. And that, and that's one of the things that I, I loved about the book really is that you wove in all of these personal stories. Um, you're a great storyteller, by the way, and you just kind of uh, wove, wove those in to some really deep, powerful biblical insights. And for me, one of my favorite sections of the book revolved around your first marathon. Oh, gosh. And just to be clear, uh, Adam, you were not running in the marathon, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. But like, no, I was, I was like the awesome running. husband that you are, you were there supporting your wife, Becky, right? Yep, I was. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So as you were sharing that experience, you said you had a moment where you felt as if God said to you, Adam, this is what church should look like. Can you unpack that a little bit for us? Yeah. So for my, my when my wife signed up for her first marathon, I might have thought she was completely crazy. Roughly, it's estimated that a marathon takes 55,000 steps to complete, um, give or take thousands of steps based on your stride. And so I went along and I'm like, I, I feel bad, actually. I'm going to watch people torture themselves for 55,000 steps. <laughs> and so I, I went in having no idea to, what to expect. I just wanted to be supportive of Becky and all this kind of thing. Well, it ended up becoming this powerful, moving spiritual experience. I mean, here along the 26.2 miles, there's thousands of people cheering on complete strangers. And like life, uh, marathons have twists and turns. Like life, marathons have stretches that are boring. Like life, there's valleys and there's there's hills. Some places have mountains that you need to climb. And it was just so cool to see strangers cheering on each other. I mean, and right now, it just feels like as people, you go on Facebook for five seconds, everybody's tearing down everything. Friends are tearing down friends. People are talking about their coworkers or their poor service at this restaurant. People are criticizing their churches and pastors, sadly. 
pastors are criticizing pastors and other churches, which I think grieves the heart of God. Mm. But we're so we're, we're criticizing each other, and yet here's this marathon, and people are just cheering each other on. And um, there was a lady I'll never forget. There was one lady in particular. I thought she knew a lot of the runners. That's why she was cheering because she was cheering. Um, like a mom at a soccer game. I mean, just full body, like she was into it. And uh, I realized about two, three minutes in, she didn't know anybody who was running. She was just cheering them on. And after watching her do it, it was contagious. I started cheering on people myself. And slow. I started slowly, the you know, a German former Lutheran in me, like didn't get into it right away. But slowly I found myself cheering as well. And in the middle of it, it was it was seriously like the Lord speaking, Adam, this is a picture of what the church should be like. This is what we should be as the church, cheering people on. I mean, life is hard. If you're a pastor for longer than a day, you get the, the viewpoint of marriages struggling, addictions, suicides, people dying. I mean, you just see it. And instead of tearing each people down, how cool would it be to encourage each other and in First Thessalonians, Paul says to encourage one another, and I, I love this. When I look deeper into the word encourage, at times this word can also mean pray. Mm. And um, and so it's so cool to think about encourage and pray for each other. And just what would it look like if instead of the church being critical and judgmental and instead of as human beings just criticizing everybody, what if, what if on Sundays and all throughout the week we were just on, on the sidelines just cheering? And man, you can keep going. Like you're looking great. And um, it's just, it's an awesome picture um, of what the church should be. And I think that's what, it, what God and, and the Lord had in mind when they talked about the church, just that it being a place, a hospital for the sick. And it's, it's, it was so cool that day. That's awesome. Yeah. Definitely this idea of, of lifting each other up, encouraging one another. It reminds me as, as you were talking, I was just thinking about in Hebrews, you know, the cloud of great witnesses and almost, you know, yeah. thinking about them around and just, just to cheering one another on and encouraging. Oh. And, and that, I think that's one of the beautiful pictures of God is, you know, the God is, is there for us to pick us up and dust us off and encourage us that, that we can make this journey. We don't make it alone. And to your point, really that that is what we as, as pastors, as ministry leaders, as, as people of the church need to be doing for those around us continuing to yeah. encourage and, and lift them up. And, and when they stumble, um, yes. to be there for them, to encourage them, dust them off and encourage them to move on. That's, that's beautiful. What if, like, what, what if at the church, when someone made a mistake or had a moral failure, surrounded that person and said, Hey, what you do, what you did wasn't okay, but today's a new day and you're a new creation in Christ. And so we just want to encourage you and we love you and we're still here and God is for you, not against you. And just began to cheer each other on. I just, I just, I, I even get the image. Uh, uh, it's Luke 15, the prodigal son, um, where it says, "Joy breaks out in the presence of God's angels when one sinner turns their life basically and starts following Him." And I'm like, "Whoa!" Like we get to be on the sidelines, celebrating with the presence and in the presence of God's angels. I'm like, "Holy cow!" Like that's an amazing thing just to think about like we join in the celebration and the cheering that has taken place in heaven when people are running towards christ yeah that's huge and humbling you know to think about that yeah that that we get to be a part of that god invites us into that to be a part of that very cool as as you are working through this book on prayer and putting it together 
how has the the process of you know putting these words down on paper and kind of distilling them and working with with your team um, how has that really changed you as you created this book Wow, it was it was it was a labor of love. I think uh, the main thing it's changed is my perspective on books. Now I walk into a bookstore and I'm like, all oh, the people who tortured themselves. <laughs> but um, but um, no, it was it was a really cool process. And even for the team to walk alongside me in it, um, it was a pro- the, I think the one of the biggest things I learned was um, just the process of continuing to push. Um, there was at so many points I wanted to give up. And I actually got done with everything that I wanted to say in about half the length of the book. And I was like, I think I'm done. And my, my agent's like, um, actually, you can't be done because you need like by contract twice the amount of words. And um, so she's I'm like, I don't feel like I have anything else to say. So we got on the phone and she just started asking me questions about prayer. And what came out of that process was grueling, but it was my favorite content. Um, even the chapter on, on marathon, what we just mentioned, like was after that point of feeling like I didn't have anything left to, to offer and yet just having, having people encourage. And so you look at it as, as a team, when you're, whether you're planning an event, um, whether it's a message, whether it's curriculum in the kids area or how to do small groups. Um, one of our values here at embrace is pushback. Um, we always say the best idea wins. And so we want to, we want to push on each other in a good way, um, to get the absolute best idea. In that process, as as leaders and as church leaders and even lay people within the church, having people challenge us in a good way of like, hey, have you thought about this? Or have you thought about that? Um, even for myself in a message, every week I have two separate groups of people who hear my message before I preach it on Sunday. And so – and the only – I always got called them the firing squad because I want them to speak freely and honestly. And so it's so cool when I get up on Sundays – I can have confidence because this isn't the gospel according to Adam. It's the gospel according to the Lord ran through a filter of eight people, nine people who have a solid, solid walk with Jesus. And there's so much confidence in that of just being refined and challenged and encouraged. And so that was really to see that throughout the book process was humbling. And yet it was so cool to see the process work like it did. Wow, that's very cool that. And as you say that, I'm sure we've got lots of pastors that are listening and probably thinking, wow, that's putting yourself in a very vulnerable position um, yeah. to kind of open yourself up um, to people, uh, you know, as you're preparing your message, um, preaching the message before a crowd, before you actually get up on a Sunday and, and share it. So how does that vulnerability play in and a part of how you are, are leading? Oh, great question. So I'm actually really insecure about my preaching. Um, so it's kind of, it's just being totally candid. I'm really insecure. Uh, I'm a manuscript preacher. I'm getting more and more further away from my notes actually as I'm preaching, but I'm a manuscript preacher. And up until three, four years ago, not even my wife had ever seen my manuscript or heard me rehearse my message. I mean, deeply personal and really sensitive. So how it came about was um, one week I was just at the end of my rope with my message. I was like, I do not know how to go forward. So I called our executive pastor in and I'm like, I'm halfway done with my message and I do not know where to go. I'm tired. I'm spiritually dry this week. And he said, well, do you, would you care if I looked at your manuscript? And I'm like, um, uh, okay, I'm basically I'm desperate. Yes. And so he's like, 
man. And he knew me really, really well. I'm still, still is on staff and knows me so well. He said, I think what you're trying to say is this, Adam. And have you ever thought about mentioning this point and this point? And I'm like, oh my goodness. So I wrote down what he said right, right, right away. And two hours later, my message was finished. And so the next week, again, I was just tired. I was going through a season of just being tired. I was like, hey, would you mind helping me again? I'm halfway through it and I'm stuck again. And he's like, oh yeah, I'd love to. So he came in again. So the third week in a row, he just said, do you just want to start meeting about it? And I was like, oh, I'd love that. So I'd preach half of my message just to him. And then we'd talk about it and finish the rest. Well, then I was like, man, would you mind once I finish, would you mind if I ran it past you again? He's like, no question. I'd love to. So I would, we, I would sit in a chair. We'd both sit in chairs and we'd just walk through the message together. And I felt so strong after that. So this, I mean, at the time we were a staff of probably five people, maybe three full times. I mean, small staff. So we hired a worship person and I was like, Hey, would you mind sitting in? Cause then you would have an idea of where I'm going with the message on Sunday and you could speak into it too. So they came in and slowly but surely I went from nobody seeing it to now eight to 10 people seeing it and having my manuscript. I make copies of my manuscript and I asked them to grill me before I was super insecure and I still am. But what helps with my insecurity is on Sunday, I can stand before the people knowing that 10 people have said, Adam, this message is solid. It's biblical and it's going to preach. And so it ended up being a confidence builder. We're fast forward to today. I, half of the message gets heard by a group on Tuesday at the end of Tuesday and the other the rest of it gets heard sometime on Wednesday. And I have not preached a message that hasn't gone through that process for probably two years now. And I can't imagine not doing it. What you have to do as a pastor is you need to set aside your ego. Um, you are, you are not God's gift to the world. If you have a master's of divinity, I do too. If you're ordained, I do too. That means we've been following Jesus a little bit longer, but it doesn't mean that we are the end all. And so if you have people in your room who love you, who care for you and know your people, there's something amazing that happens when this takes place. And that's what's so cool about it. So I would encourage anybody, uh, especially if you're insecure, just take that step of faith and maybe do a baby step with it. That's awesome. And I can only imagine that that also just really increases and deepens your relationship with those people who are in that room. I mean, and the trust factor there, right? Because these are people where you're, I mean, you're opening yourself up. You've been in prayer seeking God, you know, to prepare this message for, for your people that God has entrusted to you. And here you step in front of, uh, you know, this team of people, and it's just got to deepen those relationships. So the last two years, have you seen that the trust and, the, and those relationships just continue to grow? It's skyrocketed. And um, there's something about modeling being able to have people speak into you that is so powerful for your team because now all of our team knows that other people can speak into them from myself to a part-time five-hour week person can speak into stuff also just with our our worship leaders our campus pastors all this kind of stuff there's a huge amount of buy-in like they come into sunday excited about how god's going to move and they can tell their people leading up, like, you will not want to miss Sunday. Uh, a couple weeks ago, one of our campus pastors, it's actually the guy who um, started the process with me. After I got done kind of finishing the message and we got done tweaking it, he said, this message right here is why 
I continue to work and love at work at this church and love this church more than any church I've ever been at. He's like, I cannot wait for people to hear it on Sunday. And so it's cool too, because even when I, I mean, even telling you, like just being upfront with you, Jason, as well as the listeners, I am like, it's not my message. It's the Lord's. And so it's awesome to be able to say like, my team is so solid and this is them. It's not just me. So there's something so cool about, about that process. That is so good to hear. Um, I certainly think that, that many of our, our pastors can take from that and apply that in, in their setting. And even if, if you don't have staff members, you might have some trusted people. If you're in a smaller church without a lot of staff, there may be some trusted individuals um, within the church that um, could be a sounding board for you as you're preparing those messages. So I think that's fantastic stuff there. Yeah, one, one other quick word of that. So I have two people in the room um, that are, like kind of know the specifics of preaching and also like how to make a transition. So they know the technical parts of preaching. Everybody else in the room is non-pastory seminary grads. Oh, wow. Because I do not, I'm not trying to preach to a bunch. I'm not, I'm not, a month from now I preach at my seminary, Asbury Seminary. So I'll, I, I will want to speak with them in mind. But every Sunday of the year, I'm not preaching at a seminary. I'm preaching to people who haven't been to church in a long, long time, and they've never been to a seminary class. And so I want a couple people in the room to help me with some technical things. Like if I'm like, man, I don't know how to make this transition, our one guy on staff, Travis, will say, hey, I think what you're trying to say is this, right? Are you trying to do that? And I'm like, yes, perfect. But everybody else, I want them to say, hey, Adam, that's great that you just said that word. I have no idea what that means. Or hey, Adam. You realize when you say that there's a joke right now, like on YouTube, like this thing is really, really funny. You have to say this joke because it will disconnect with the people. Oh, awesome. And or, or, hey, I really feel like our people need to hear this. Can you kind of mention that? And so I really have the gamut in the room as far as um, different voices. And whether you're a worship leader, a small group leader, I would encourage you not just to surround yourselves with worship leaders who do worship leading things, um, but instead have normal human beings who can say, hey, this and this. So, Yeah, that is so good that, to have those different voices, especially those voices that represent the audience into which you're speaking. I mean, that makes perfect yes. sense. So good, Adam. As we're kind of wrapping up, I know we've um, touched on this idea of prayer, and I know you've been spending, I mean, you're in the middle of your book tour right now for Talking With God, um, which seems pretty exciting. I, I see on uh, social media you're running all over the place. But one of, the, one of the questions I think that is important for us to, to sort of address is when it comes to pastors and ministry leaders, what do you sense is their greatest struggle with prayer? Well, I, I, I think um, one of the greatest struggles with prayer is feeling ashamed mm. of their prayer life. Their prayer life, um, especially when someone says, I bet you spend so much time praying as a fact in reality is actually I away from praying at night and going and eating before I eat, haven't said a single word to God might be the case. And so a great amount of shame um, is what I've seen in pastors. And even I've had pastors since knowing what I'm talking about with the book have come up to me and said that I feel like I've messed up. I feel like I fall short. I feel like people think I have a prayer life and I don't. And so what do we do when we're ashamed of something? We do whatever it is, uh, if it's a positive thing, we do whatever it is even less. 
instead of talking with God more, we talk with God less because it's like, man, I'm, we beat ourselves up and God's probably upset with me. Blah, 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 blah. What, with that, so my parents, I'm 34 years old. And oftentimes when I call my mom and dad, they put me on speakerphone to hear me. And because they just both want to talk to me, whether it's three minutes or a half hour. Never one time have my parents ever said to me, Adam, we're so upset that you never call. Or we're so upset that your brother calls more than you. Or we're just frustrated that you are so occupied with your family and church that we're just upset. They say the total opposite. When I call, they're like, we're just so overjoyed that you've called. And we're just so thrilled to hear how you're doing. And I try to call them often. Um, my dad, I call regularly just as much as I can. He's homebound for some physical reasons, um, but they're just overjoyed. And if we understood that the heart of God is similar to that, yes, he wants us to grow in our prayer life. Yes, he wants us to lose our life and find it. But when we speak to him, he's so excited that his son, his daughter has reached out. That's true of us ministry leaders as well. And so instead of kind of living in shame, just beginning to talk with God right now, and I think there's that part of it. I, I, so that's one thing. The second thing that I see pastors struggle with is spiritually we're dry because everything we're doing is for somebody else. I got to finish out. I got to finish this message so that I can tell people on Sunday. I need to do this devotional so I can tell somebody Sunday. And so, so often we never have that time where it's like, I need to sit with Jesus to have my soul renewed and refreshed. I need to sit with Jesus because he is my source of all good things. I need to sit with Jesus because he's my savior and my Lord. And so we put that aside. And what I would say is that's a miserable existence as pastors, the constant rat race. I, I pray for everybody listening that we'd be so dependent on Jesus that we'd have to talk with him. And as pastors, when our week is completely crammed, that we'd even spend that much more time talking with the Lord. Why? Because we are, we're so busy, we have to. We have so much to do this week that we need to spend time with Jesus. And that's really hard for someone. I like to go, go, go. I'm naturally restless. Even uh, as we're talking right now, I'm kind of moving all over the place. And um, and it's like, but no, that is essential. Uh, uh, apart from me, you can do nothing, Jesus says. And it's like, wow, I don't want to do nothing. Uh, I want to do something. I want to make an impact for eternity. And so, uh, again, just to sum those two things up, instead of living in shame, Know that Jesus is so, and God is so excited to talk with us. And instead of trying to make it through a week on our own strength and just spending time in the Bible for somebody else or praying for somebody else, we need that for our own self and our own sake and our own soul. And so that would be my encouragement to any pastor listening. Um, don't be ashamed. Um, even right now, like just know that like I'm praying for you. Whoever's listening and is ashamed of their prayer life, I'm praying for you that your prayer life would go to a place you never thought possible. That just out of the rawness of your heart, you begin to speak to him, sharing your brokenness, your insecurities, saying everything to him. He wants to hear from us. That'd be my prayer and hope. That is so good, brother. We're so thankful to have you with us here on the Church Leaders Podcast, to have you praying for us as pastors all around the world and uh, for this book that you've put together, Talking With God. And again, you guys can find a link to Adam's new book in the show notes, Talking With God, What to Say When You Don't Know How to Pray. Um, it's such a gift to have you with us again, Adam. I appreciate you, brother. Um, you're, you're a great man of God, and you're doing great things. God's doing great things through you and through your church. And uh, such a pleasure to have you with us. Oh, so grateful to be on. Thank you so much for the podcast and just the impact that it has on so many leaders 
all across the country and world. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website, churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.